to the 20 good minutes podcast this is your official year in review i'm joined by my good friend dr benji hi everybody hi, hi listeners happy new year right yeah well there's no yeah so we're recording this on the 31st so that we are technically still in 2021 so let us know how 2022 is if you could oh yeah, give us give us your reviews. Ironically enough, very early review of the, of the new yeah. year. Uh, we've had we've had Christmas. People loved our Christmas episode. I, I've gathered from feedback um, about Egan and gift giving and Christmas traditions. I think people are dying to know how was your how was your Christmas. Well, you saw the Egan, and that looked fantastic. Uh, you, of course, your mum sent me a picture. I first didn't realise what I was looking at. It, it transpired. But having now seen the egg, and it's quite like scramble. Is it quite like a scrambled egg? Not really. I mean, right? No, no. I really, I really mean it's not anything. It doesn't taste anything like scrambled egg. It's a white sauce with the the white part of the egg, and then a yellow sauce, the yellow part of the egg on toast. So it's not scrambled eggs. Are they combined though? Yeah, you combine them. So it's the flavors of well, it's the flavor. It's, it's the broken down elements of of egg. Isn't it? People didn't realise we'd be there'd be more egg and chat. They thought we, we were all out of egg and chat. But uh, apparently we've got more. You can never listeners. you can never over discuss egg and I think that's the important takeaway that we have that we've come up. Mm, yeah, I definitely think we're covering it in more detail than any other podcast on Spotify sh- or that, other platforms. Yeah, so. I don't think anybody else eats it. I think everybody else has moved on from it. My family's like, you know, what's a great Christmas uh, like Christmas <laughs> tradition. We are just gonna <laughs> eat egg on egg every year. From egg our great, egg. great whatever recipe. Oh, it's nice. We had we had crackers yeah. and the nice hats as as planned, as discussed. So we looked we looked lovely. I said, yeah, I realized I realized that I sent your mum sent me a picture of you and your egg and then I sent her a picture of Doug and we just me and your mum just trade pictures of our children, which makes me realise how old I am. But it's a lovely it was a lovely. You looked so happy in your Christmas pajamas. Thank you. I were you? they were overalls. They weren't pajamas. Uh, I was wearing Christmas overalls. Well, you looked you looked bloody good. You looked like you were about to do some painting in a serious manner. So, uh, yeah, it was it was good. Uh, did you get anything nice? Because obviously, part of Christmas is getting nice things from other people. Did you get anything that is notable that you want to tell us about? I got a new laptop. That that's probably the biggest. That that was a combined Christmas. My birthday being ten days after Christmas present. The was wow. the, the big thing was. I got a laptop, which is awesome. So, so in your life, what how how useful is it? Because I'm I'm kind of curious because I have a laptop as well that I use sort of intermittently that I bought last year. It was a good tax write off, basically. So I'm curious, how does that work with you? So what 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 do you now use it for? Because obviously you spend a lot of time at your desk, I would imagine, doing yeah. videos and streaming and stuff. So why why is a laptop important to Zealand Shannon? Well, I, obviously, as the last couple of months vindicated, I end up traveling a good bit and my laptop being six years old didn't help me with doing uh, my work while traveling. It was a six-year-old Mac. And so I really needed to transition to windows so that it was more collaborative with my 
actual setup of computers and then yeah. i ended up getting a it was a dual present for two things so i ended up getting a really nice laptop that so i can basically run football manager simulations on it while not actually using my work computers you know okay yeah, so no, I, I can, I, I can set my laptop up in the corner and not touch it for four days and simulate some sort of experiment forward that's good well, it's it's uh it's going to help the workflow, which I think is why people buy laptops. Absolutely, generally. yeah. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because when you're when you do this job, you are quite isolated in one place. But obviously, as you mentioned, you do travel a fair a fair amount. You're going away quite soon, aren't you? You're having a little jaunt. I am. Across the, I leave uh, today. Actually, I, I fly out today. I we were yeah, just so discussing this before we started recording. I fly out today. I'm going home for New Year's Eve, right? Because initially I was going to do New Year's Eve in New York, but that seems like a really terrible idea with the COVID nonsense going on. So they're I'm going to go doing home. It, aren't they? they're, they're still just on that because that's obviously a big thing. They're, they're doing the whole hog, are they not? In in New York, they just they've going, canceled. Yeah, they've what? canceled some of the things. They they've can't. They had a concert oh, okay. thing that they they're canceling. But far as I know, the the Times Square thing is still going on. Yeah, the ball drop. Yeah. I've seen the ball. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's quite small when you see it from the ground level. I don't know um, how they're I don't know how they're going to do it, but I I am under the impression they're still doing that. I've known that I know they've canceled other things, but everybody seems to have COVID New York right now. So it's like I'm going to go home for New Year's Eve because two years two years two days after New Year's Eve, my family's taking a trip to the British Virgin Islands for five days, and I would like to be able to go. And you can't have COVID to go to an island in the era of covid right no so i guess it's all is that, is that just part of the uh, flight wise sorry we're just having a general chat about the travel arrangements um is it just is it covid safe just to fly to the british right they don't care basically not they no don't they care, do no the caribbean there. islands do having i've had weird experience with this because i had work in the bahamas remember i had to I, yes. I don't know why you remember this but apparently you do oh, i do i've got i've got your calendar next to me now <laughs> oh well, good yeah if, okay. you, if you'd circle november 20th to 22nd there was a basketball uh, yes. tournament in the bahamas called the battle for atlantis i was hired to broadcast that tournament so i have already had to go to the caribbean in the COVID era and you basically just have to test negative a hundred times before and <laughs> after you hit the ground because they're islands and so they're very defensive about not letting COVID onto the island because once it gets onto the island it's very hard to get it off and so they they test you you have to show a negative test from like 24 hours before and then you get tested again when you get there and British Virgin Islands is going to be the same way and then we have to do yeah. it twice because we're going to Puerto Rico and then over oh. to the British Virgin Islands because it, you can't fly directly to the British Virgin Islands that's probably faff, not a shock it? yeah a lot of faff do you do, do you have an off do you know what faff is no, I have no idea. Some, sometimes you use words and I just sit here and nod. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I realized Absolutely. upon saying faff, you didn't know what faff was. Uh, faff, you can faff about. I reckon you faff about quite a lot. It sounds like something I would do, but I hesitate to agree to that because I, I, I would like to say again, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Uh, just, it just means like sort of mess about, dos about. Don't you're not really doing it. If you faffy, basically, you know when you're in a queue for something and the people at the front of the queue are taking ages to decide what they want from the place. They're, they're faffing about. They're faffing about. Yeah, you're damn right they are. It just sounds. It sounds dirty. It's like a dangerous phrase to use. Nah, it's, it's, yeah, it sounds a bit like another word which has got similar dual letters in the middle. But no, it's faffing. A lot of faffing. Anyway, so yeah, so you go into the British Virgin Islands you, and you find too Florida. You've done well not to get COVID. We try and avoid COVID chat, really. But in New York, it's quite prominent right now, as yeah. it is in the UK, by the way. Like, it's Omnicon is everywhere. Um, 
You've not got it. Is that surprise? Do you know people that have got it around you? Yeah, like, my roommate I feel like got it. Blimey! So you've just so it's been pretty close. I, I'm basically like the guy from the Matrix, just ducking right. under the. You know, <laughs> except instead of bullets, it's just like Omicron variants and Delta variants. And I mean, I I have tried to be really careful about it. But in two years, I went to I got an entire graduate degree during COVID. Moved. Yeah. I moved. To, I've moved twice. Three times. I've moved three times during COVID, and yet, remarkably, have not gotten it. Yeah, and you moved to, and not not just moved, you moved to one of the biggest hotspots of COVID in the world, yeah. which, is, which is New York. So that's, yeah, it's pretty remarkable you've not managed to pick it up. Really. Not that I want you to, I'm just saying it. Yeah, no, I was so like, are you we, rooting you're for the... You're guaranteed to get you know, it. As you, as, you, as you touch down in Puerto Rico now, you're guaranteed to get a negative test or a positive test. I'm so oh, sorry. Absolutely, absolutely not. Well, Port, you know, I've got to make my appearance in the casinos and... Uh, san juan apparently that's going to be what we do the one night with that we're there really yeah are you doing any celebrity appearances are you doing any meetups <laughs> yeah no i'm actually i'm on retainer at a casino to walk around and do meet and greets that's, that'd be great that'd be so good that's You'll my retirement plan with Shannon. Yeah. imagine that sitting down with you that'd be oh, oh what a dream of mine one day one day Zealand, we all sit at <laughs> <Yeah. and> we'll, <laughs> just we'll wave and sign things yeah hello just, how are you <laughs> People coming up. Are you the Zealand? Who am I making this out to? Oh, your dog? Interesting. Cool. All right. Here we go. Here's a picture. Smile. All right. Now, I'm faffing about. Well, no, not faffing. There's no R in it. There's no R. It's faffing. F-A-F-F-I-N-G. No, I know. F-A-F-F-I-N-G. I would call that faffing. There's no R in faffing. Faffing. Yeah. If you had an R in it, then it would be farfing, and that just sounds even worse than farfing. Yeah, you don't want to be. Oh, you don't want to be far. The animals are farfing wood. I'm just doing English references now for the English portion of the list <laughs> no of shit. Uh, I have will, no uh, idea what that means. Speaking of, of England, <laughs> yes. my God, what a transition! Do you hear that? Yeah, that was, it was one of your better ones. That's the sound of greatness. It's your best one this year. Oh, yeah. Oh. Obviously, it's that's actually out. that. Uh, on a real note, that's insulting. That you got the best transition. Sorry, twenty four. Well, no, no, because this is the first. That's the first transition of the year to the listeners, anyway. Oh. So okay. Yeah. Cool. So we're only going up from here. I can. I can take that. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we've kind of killed the transition. If one no, we have. <laughs> well, I feel like we really assess the we assess the merit of every transition. So that's okay. England's a farmers league. Do you care to comment on that? Uh it's not good, is it? Manchester City. We're doing football chat listeners. Uh, Manchester City seemingly are going to run away with the league title, which is not what anybody wants when it's just January. Like, uh, yeah, it does feel like that though. Liverpool and Chelsea have decided to sort of half give up a little bit. Uh, Arsenal aren't really a contender. Manchester United are fraudulent. And Tottenham, well, Tottenham aren't having the boom that they're expected, but they have got about 15 games in hand on everybody else. But no, so it's not going very well. I, I'm i going to have to say, I don't care for Manchester City at all. There, I've said it. <laughs> I mean, well, I was I was waiting for, a, for, for more elaboration on that. Why do you not care for Manchester City? Because they are it's... very good. When Chelsea came along in 2003, it was like a new cool era of the Premier League, right? You already had the Wenger and Alex Ferguson battle. Liverpool were distinctly average for a top side. And when Chelsea turned off, it was like, wow, this powerhouse of football are doing something we've never seen before. They signed about 20 players in one season. They, they brought in Adrian Muto and Damian Duff and all these other players, right, that were exciting at the time. 
and then they just sort of fell into the bed of English football and, and, and they were sort of accepted as, oh yeah, Chelsea, right? When City did it, it started off again. It was quite a cool era of football. It was like, oh, someone to take on Chelsea's money. This is really exciting. But there is this, there's this, and Newcastle have got that feeling now. It's like, oh, what are they going to do in January? Are they going to have to spend massive to try and survive in the Premier League and things like this? So that element of it is quite interesting. But City have been sort of so dominant. They've got the best manager. Their team is so good. They play football that is almost predictable at this point. Teams aren't able to really cope with them. They've won 10 games in a row. When they win trophies, I don't really... like. When City or... Not necessarily. When United or Arsenal or... Chelsea win things. As a Liverpool fan, there's something inside of me that goes, mm, I really don't enjoy this. When City do, I'm just a bit like, yeah, whatever. You've spent a billion pounds and you've won stuff. Congratulations. So that that's the... This is the most English thing I've ever heard. You would prefer the pain of watching a hated rival win the league than the yeah. numbness of watching Man City win the league. That's yeah, because I don't, I don't, feel, I don't feel anything. I, I want to say, if any Manchester City fans are listening, they're probably going, "Yeah, we've heard all this before, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But it's not your fault. Like the City, the City fans should enjoy it. I'm just saying that as a rival fan of a, of a team and as a fan of English football generally, like I just have no like. It's just like, yeah, fair enough. We'll see you next season. Hopefully, you don't win it because it's just not nearly as fun or interesting. Like I would, I, you're right. I'd rather go through the pain of seeing Manchester United or Chelsea or Arsenal or Tottenham or, or the joy of someone like Leicester winning it than I ever would City winning it. And it doesn't mean I can't appreciate the football they play. And I, like, I think Guardiola is fantastic. And I think to the point where at times he gets underrated because people think that he can only do it with big teams. Like I've got a lot of respect and time for Manchester City. And on their come up, I loved that journey. I loved the Aguero story. I loved all of that. But with, with them now, this sort of inevitability, like that, that's what makes football terrible it's what i mean you like you call it a farmer's league like and, and ultimately it's the fault of chelsea liverpool arsenal etc to, to not put up a sterner fight against manchester city but i just yeah I, watch, I don't really watch their games unless they're playing the big teams i don't think oh well, yeah i'll watch a city game because they get it they're probably going to have a tough time against watford they're not they're going to destroy them like it's, it's not that fun I, I feel like this is the beginning of the experience that a lot of fans in Germany have had for a while. It's just like, it's just not, it, it, it takes the fun out of it. Manchester City are too good. And I don't think they get enough credit for, you can say and think, and I certainly would have some strong opinions about the, the sports washing that goes on with the investment from the Near East. And obviously Man City is a team that is involved in that. But when it comes to the actual business of the sport and the signing of players and the deploying of those players in order to win matches, Manchester City does that so oh, yeah. much better than a lot of teams that have that type of money. I mean, you could say, oh, well, Arsenal doesn't isn't a team that typically fits in that category. Stan Kroenke has billions of dollars. Like the, the yeah. people that own these teams, it, with the exception of Daniel Levy, will spend absurd amounts of money to improve their team like all of them in manchester city just does it better they just they're just yeah. better at it like they, they their coach is just better right their players are just better they find guy i mean even come on they even got phil foden through the youth academy which just feels illegal considering how good all the other players are <laughs> right like that's just not fair 
I think the the problem is it's I think there are other teams are almost put off like Spurs are so Levy's the chairman but Spurs are backed by like a billion dollar industry like they could pump loads of money and there are loads of clubs like this Everton another one Villa have got loads of money these days of course we know about Newcastle's new riches Liverpool Chelsea United they're not exactly poor they, well, could, about, they could Ever Everton cracks these me things. up Everton is top ten in the world for yeah. transfer spend for like the last decade they've spent a top 10 amount of money in the world and now they're sitting here like well we could get relegated this year and you're going what yeah but, but, but i crazy. think there is i think city have created a fear i think that that you could spend all this money and you could still finish sixth and is it is it worth it like i, I don't know i think there is a point that football works in sort of ebbs and flows doesn't it and there's a time and when teams will be dominant and eventually they will slip away and the problem with these superpower teams is that actually they, they don't slip away. there's no reason for them to slip away you're right like i res I, I there's there's some level of respect of what city's owners have done in, in terms of the community and the way they've invested in women's football and youth football and the facilities around the etihad and that area of manchester has been regenerated massively by manchester city i can i can respect that but i think i'm largely coming at this from like an entertainment perspective there's this argument that teams don't have to put on a show for me well as paying customers to this this performance they kind of do so if i'm paying for it via like tv deals or i'm going to games etc like people are paying to watch what in my opinion is an entertainment product as much as it's elite sport it's also an entertainment product and there is an element of entertainment that is withdrawn when city are are this good also again ultimately it falls on liverpool to not lose to leicester and things like this but there is this inevitability with city that i don't i don't I don't love it is similar and uh, th this will be lost on people that are listening to this podcast at least some of them th there is a similarity here between that and there was a period in the nba where lebron james who you've probably at least heard of that name he decided to leave his hometown team that he'd started his career with yeah and he decided essentially to join two other superstars like they colluded so that three of the 15 best players in the entire world were all on the same team. And then all of a sudden, it just became not fun. It was like, well, they're <laughs> going to be in the final every year, right? Like, they're going to get to the final every year. And then the NBA for eight or nine years after that was just not fun. Because everywhere LeBron would go, other superstars would follow him. And now he's just flanked. It's like everywhere Messi would go, all of a sudden Neymar and Luis Suarez would show up again. And then he would go to another <laughs> club and they would show up again. And you're like, how do these guys keep pulling this off and doing this? And so LeBron made what, eight straight finals? And that's insane. It's like getting the Champions League final eight consecutive years. Yeah. He didn't win all of them, but it still it takes away a lot of the mystery. I'm equating what you're describing feeling watching the Premier League to that feeling of I just almost start watching the NBA before the finals. So I'm like, well, I know yeah. you're going to be there. So now I just need to watch you play <laughs> this one. You know, you're going to play Steph Curry and the Warriors every that happened four straight years. We had the same championship game for consecutive years. And you knew it was coming. By the fourth year, you're like, oh, come on. And the only reason it didn't happen a fifth time is because people started getting hurt because you just can't be that consistent. But it's like, if the only reason you have parity is because people are getting hurt, then you probably need to find a way to inject more parity into the situation. 
Yeah, there was this big question mark with City as well, wasn't there? That, that Vincent Company's going to leave, David Silva's going to leave, Aguero's going to leave. Are they going to be able to find the leadership qualities and have the <laughs> ability to contain that, like, or continue this run of of dominance? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, they yeah. are. Because when you have this amount of money, you can go and get Cancelo not playing for the first six months of his career and then suddenly have him be one of the best players in the league, right? There are, there are situations like this where it's always going to be the case now because of the infrastructure they've built, because of the financial model they've got set, they, they can always be this dominant. And it's it's not a surprise that these two teams that are the superpowers of football, admittedly, people have games in hand and, and things like this, of course, and there'll have been the New Year's Day fixtures. But the top two teams in the Premier League right now are the two teams that have multi-billion dollar owners that have pumped money in over the last 15 years. And there is, I guess it's like the phrase, I guess, is soulless a little bit. And it's, I, I think it's inevitable. I think the Premier League wanted these owners to come in. They wanted this level of competition and to stop teams like Manchester United and Liverpool from being the elite teams in England, this is how you had to do it. So I don't really have an issue with it. And it's why Newcastle fans were a little bit like, well, do we get a go now? <laughs> like we've been through 50 years of shit. Like we're quite happy now to yeah. be the, the dominant force within football. If it means we have to take a Saudi ownership group that, are, that come with many, many issues and problems, then so be it. Like it's already happening to some degree. What's the problem with us having the opportunity to? And you kind of have to conclude, well, yeah, fair enough. So now they're in this situation. But have you seen the new? Actually, moving on to Newcastle, have you seen their annoyance recently? It's very funny. It's predictable. I don't know what is it because their owner fell asleep or something. That was Norwich. Norwich <laughs> owner fell asleep during a match, which yeah, I think is hilarious. You just can't yeah. send a worst message about anything. But now, what what are, what are Newcastle fans annoyed about? Well, not Newcastle fans, but Newcastle's owners are annoyed. There is the price. There is the price for other teams. And then there is the price for Newcastle United. And apparently every player they're going for in January, uh, clubs are just going, uh, double it. <laughs> or whatever they're, whatever they're saying. And Newcastle are going, well, this doesn't seem reasonable. It's like, yeah, but we know you've got more money than anybody in football's ever had before. So, yes, it is reasonable. Yeah, that, it, it, what, It's the issue with everybody knowing that you're a billionaire is... Uh, <laughs> You try and buy how a piece do, how of do land. How do you cope? How do you cope? Well, uh, look, the, the historical story I have for you is Disney World. So good, love this already. The is, center, is this princess related again? Or? No, no, I even okay. though Frozen Two, excellent film. Not the point. <laughs> center, the center of Florida was nothing, right? Like it is, it is a swamp technically. The vat, like the majority of the center of Florida, is a giant, slow-moving river down towards the Keys, like a very wide. It's classified that way. It's just a big swamp. It's super hot. You're not close to the water, which regulates the temperature and makes it not as miserable. Which is where all of Florida's big cities were: Jacksonville, Tampa, Miami. We're all on the water. The opportunity was there for somebody to come in and buy an absolute metric, like ton of land. <laughs> in the middle of Florida because nobody wanted it and it was super cheap. And so Walt Disney looked mm. at that and went, you know what? And he made like a hundred shell companies so that people wouldn't know that he was buying all of it. And so he made a bunch of shell companies and bought, you know, the size of Liechtenstein or something in the middle <laughs> of Florida, probably multiple Liechtensteins in the middle of Florida, right? Like Luxembourg in the middle of Florida just bought a ridiculous amount of land that he could call world. And then it, all at once, he was like, I own all of it. And then everybody went, oh, dude, 
All of the people that own the land went, oh, I would have charged him so much more if I knew he needed this piece of land to complete his. So Newcastle totally yeah. should have pretended to not be rich. I don't know how they could have done that. But yeah, they're like, oh, that. they're being purchased by this piddly little group of people. Here's $200 million. You know, like you have to, you have to pretend. These people will charge you because the value of that piece of land to you. Like if there was one holdout in the middle of of Disney World that didn't want to sell, then you just can't build Disney World. So you had to come yeah. to them as some small company and go, wow, we just really want this piece of land to grow sugar or something. They should have kept Mike Ashley as the figurehead. They should have just said, Mike, we'll pay you, I don't know, a million a day just to just carry on pretending to be the owners of Newcastle. Yes, of course, but in the background, we will sign all the relevant documents. But if you can be the man to put the bids in, they know that there's a limit. So if you could just do that, that'd be great. Of course, we're going to we're gonna spend millions and millions here. But yeah. again, you, you be the face, we'll be the financial backing. That's the only thing they could have done. And they didn't do that, and now they're being punished for it. But there is there is some sort of beautiful irony in billionaires going, "Well, I'm not paying that much." It's like, well, you've, you've made this this money based bed, and now you're gonna have to lay in it, and it's not not yeah. Be enjoyable. It, it, sorry, there's a downside to being stupidly wealthy and trying to negotiate for a very limited resource. When people yeah. know that you're stupidly well, there are not a ton of Kieran Trippiers out there, and so if you want him, well, that's the that's the player. They're annoyed at Atletico because Atletico are basically going, uh, yeah, United want him, and we're probably going to go twenty million. But if you want him, it's fifty. So do you want him or don't you? I mean, up to you, isn't it? That, I think that that's the particular player they are getting more and more irritated about. So I th yeah, there just there aren't a lot of former national team heroes that are sitting around there willing to move. There just aren't, especially at right back with that kind of technique. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, apparently Sven Botman from Lille is going to be the big guy they're going to oh, go for. Oh, that's not going to be cheap. Well, 30 million, apparently, for a player at Lille. So, I mean, yeah, I for a centre-back, for a central defender from Lille, 30 million. Yeah, Which not, is... not even the top three or four Dutch centre-back, Sven Botman. He might be in the future, but he, he certainly isn't right now. But apparently he's going to be the guy they're going to try and build everything around. But they are going to have to spend 200 million to do this, to try and survive and then thrive it's going to be very, very difficult. And again, can they do that? The I mean, like, where does the financial fair play come in here? No, they can, they can because they've not spent any money for, forever, <laughs> apart from like the big money on Joel Linton, the best central midfielder in world football. Apparently, um, yeah, very bizarre. We could spend twenty five minutes talking about that. Uh, but because they've not spent enough money, they've basically got this. This I think it's three hundred and ten million or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but it's something Holy similar. Oh, so they're they, one of they those can spend, teams. Yeah, if they want to, because they're not in Europe either, they don't have to comply with the European. FFP rules it's just the Premier League ones and so in theory they can spend uh, loads of money but of course the decision they've got to make is do we spend all of that money now or do we wait to see if we actually survive in the Premier League and then spend the money because the difference in buying championship caliber players compared to hopefully European caliber players is very different so they it's would definitely they would definitely be buying Premier League players in the championship because I, I don't think I don't know if there would ever be a more guaranteed bounce back up to the Premier League than Newcastle yeah, well, from the championship. You're, you're right, but then you have to improve upon those players. That's the that's the problem for them. So, so buying someone like someone like Sven Botman, who is a very hotly rated like 21 year old Dutch defender at Lille, makes a lot of sense in that he'll still be quite good in a few years, and maybe even as a player that has sell on value, which is something that they have to try and do. If you go down to the to, to the Championship and you buy players that are sort of okay Premier League players. The ambition for Newcastle United will be, well, in three years, we want to be in the Champions League. We're going to have to make sure these contracts are small enough and the wages are small enough. But then again, you're having to attract players to the Championship that can play in the Premier League. So they are in a huge catch-22 financially of having players that can 
be recycled but also be good enough and accept that they have to be there in the short term to be successful it's very very like the, the complexity of newcastle's position right now where they are what is it 19th with 11 points with burnley watford leeds everton uh southampton all above them all with games in hand on them like it's a big decision they've got to make because they have basically they have to stay up because if they, if they go down, it is such a headache. I, I don't think it's involved. I don't think it's as complex as, as you're making it out to be. I think it is. It, I, I'm playing like <laughs> football manager. I'm I look at this like I'm playing football manager. Okay, you you go out and you invest in the in the Sven Botmans of the world, right? You're not going out to buy. I I think buying more than one player like Kieran Trippier is a mistake. What you need to do is you need to go sign somebody like Callum Hudson-Odoi. You need to go sign somebody like Billy Gilmore. You need to build a core of really talented young players and then give them a boatload of playing time. If they go down, they go down. They're going to get a lot better. And that core of super young players is not only going to have the sell-on value, they're going to grow with the team, and they have got a chance to push you up to the top half of the table once you get back up. And they there's something to point at that if eventually you do go for like a Ja Felix or some type of player that you want to sign that's just the big talisman for you, the big name that you bring in to be the superstar, you can point at the rest of the team and say, look, we've built a great young core, we just need the star. But that, that to me is a really dangerous model of buying young players, giving them exorbitant amounts of money and saying, be the future of this team forever. Because there will, be, there will come a point with Newcastle where they are not the big name that, they, that, that their money suggests. And they will still, and of course, if these players have got sell-on value, ultimately that's good for Newcastle United. But to get the balance right between getting these young prospects, like Hudson-Odoi and Gilmore, I know you're throwing out examples, but would they leave, as you've used those as examples, would they leave Chelsea right now to move that, like if they think they're on the ladder, you know, the Chelsea ladder of either being out on loan or being a part of the first team at Hudson Odoi's, would they move down to Newcastle knowing that there's a risk you could go down? Obviously, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hope they would based on the personnel. There's a risk they could go down, and they've got a battle through the dross, the, the poor teams. Again, dross. I don't know if it translates. Uh, the, the dross of the Premier League, the bottom ten of the Premier League, to then become a European contender, then a team that competes in Europe that you basically need two squads for. Look at Tottenham as an example. And then to be a Champions League team beyond that, like it's a it's a big risk for a young player to say, yeah, I'm going to be a part of that journey, because that that's not what City did. City brought in loads of players, sort of late twenties, that had been there, done it, got them to a position where you could sell them on. You probably lose money on many of them, but you get yourself to a level and a position where you're comfortable, and then you can start to say to someone like Sergio Aguero in 2012-13, come and be a part of this, come and be the figurehead of this. So it's, again, I think for Newcastle, it's a really dangerous position they're in, predicated on the fact that Mike Ashley refused to spend money for five years, but ultimately got a massive payout from the Saudis anyway, so doesn't really care. But so, I don't know. I, you think it's quite simple. I, I really don't. I, I think it is simple because you're not going to be great right now. So investing in players like you're going to be great right now, like signing Kieran Trippier, who in three years is probably not going to be an influential player at a Premier League level. It, it strikes me as a weird decision. I think if you go to someone like Callum Hudson-Odoi and you say, look, you know where we're headed, right? Like we, we have more money than anybody. Like, you know where we're headed. You have the opportunity to be the next Sergio Aguero, right? Like you have the opportunity to get in on the ground floor and to be 
the player that's here for a decade that, that was with Newcastle when we were in the relegation battle and now all of a sudden is, is leading from the front. Like, we know you have that type of potential. You're going to get all the facilities and coaching and playing time you could possibly need to reach that potential and to be that type of icon for this club. Because I think that's the sales pitch. You go and say, yeah, but that's, we know, that's you okay. know, it's inevitable. You know where we're going to end up. We're going to end up competing at the top of the league and in Europe, that's just where we're going to end up. And you can get in on the ground floor and be a part of it. But the, I, I guess the, the wider context there is that Newcastle are not there. So you mentioned like facilities and things like that. Newcastle are a championship level club when it like lower bottom half championship level club when it comes to their facilities. It is a huge problem at Newcastle. So I th you're right with Kieran Trippier, right? It's not particularly flashy. It doesn't really say too much about the team. But what it is, is safe. You know you're getting an international caliber player that's competing with Atletico Madrid to come in to give the last few years he has of his career to your team. And at the same time, you do what City did and you build infrastructure across Newcastle. And then, then you can say to these other youth players like Hudson-Odoi, do you know what, mate? It's not really working out, out at Chelsea. Yeah, you've won a Premier League title, but you've, you've started 12 games. It's not really cooking. Come and be a part of our, our, our team and then we can push on together as that. As, and, and at that point, it'll be 25, 26, looking for a big move. That, that to me is more, again, I think the word is safe. I think what you're, you're suggesting is, is a bit more, it's, it's a bit more risky, basically. And I'm going for sort of the safer route, which I think they'll go down. See, I think either way, I don't think it's very risky because I, I, they're inevitably going to be up there. There is no... You're, but you're I don't talking think about there's... bringing in potential. That's where the risk comes in. You're, you're talking about bringing in the potential of Hudson Odoi still, and the potential of a uh, potential of Billy Gilmore, we see many times players of, at young at young ages not hit that potential and then sort of just fade away and disappear. Newcastle United can't afford to have too many of those like risks turn out to be just that. They need to they need to bring in players that are proven at, at a certain level. I think the, the the ultimate answer here might be a blend, right? The Sven Botmans of the world, the Kieran Trippiers. You go for someone like. Jonathan David, but then you team that with a player like, I don't know, pick, pick any striker, like someone like Danny Ings. Obviously, he's just gone to Villa, so it's not going to happen. But that type of player, you have a mix of the two and you, and you try and find the balance, which is what I think they'll do. But again, they've got to make some really smart decisions as well as throw money at the problem. Well, they're going to throw money at the problem. That's for darn yeah. sure. I <laughs> I wish I was in charge, in charge of Newcastle. I think it'd be fun. I think it just it would be a lot of fun. You are building a team. It's like sandbox mode. You are building a team from <laughs> scratch completely, and you are doing it in real time with all the considerate. I mean, the only issue for them is that they don't have an unlimited amount of time to set this up. You know, it takes years to build those great facilities. They don't just appear immediately when you buy yeah. a team. And so I'm That's sure it. they're already planning and investing in some absolutely world-class training oh, facilities so. and everything. As a human being, I would enjoy the idea of being in on the ground floor maybe somebody like Callum Hudson-Odoi, who obviously is the name we've settled on, just as kind of the token <laughs> moniker for talented young players, even though I think someone like Jonathan David is also, that's a great shout. I think they would love to have Jonathan David, who's, if you don't know, the leading scorer in League All right now, the Canadian forward, just grabbing right. people like that and making them, I mean, just raiding talented young players and getting like 12, 13, 14 talented young players in the same core and just making it work. It's so exciting to me, but who knows what's going to happen? And that's what's exciting. The other side to this, and as a Liverpool fan, I want to know if you're worried about this. The other <laughs> side is they're not adding any more European spots. 
which means when Newcastle in like two years or three years is in the Europa League or something, somebody else is missing out again, like Leicester or Arsenal or United or like somebody, Tottenham probably, somebody's going to yeah. miss. Somebody else is going to miss out again. Like it's going to get yeah, harder well. to break into that top level. No, because we'll be in the Super League by then, and Newcastle oh, will be the yeah. eighth team from the. Uh, the real, I mean, that is a real possibility, by the way. Um, no, you're right. I think as a Liverpool fan, the big the big concern there surrounds Klopp and the idea that Klopp won't be the, by the time that Newcastle are there in position to suddenly pounce, and that is the expectation. I think that Liverpool will be out will, will be without Jurgen Klopp. Their new manager will be a big question mark. Will it be Steven Gerrard? Who knows? All these questions will, why will would, come up. Why would Why do you think Klopp's not going to be there? Because Klopp's basically said that at the end of his contract in 2024, that might be him done for a bit. And take, it'll take a break, similar to how he did at Dortmund. He stepped away for a year, then came back into management. There's talk that he will just retire at that point. Like, he's a very intense guy, as things are. Maybe it's just one of those things that he feels like he can step away from. As a Liverpool fan, I think right now you'd love him to be there for another 10 years. But I think realistically, all of the things he said suggest he'll leave, unless he signs a new contract, which again, seems unlikely, but... Who knows? But there are there are going to be these question marks across football, right? Guardiola's not going to be at City forever. Arsenal, will Arteta have worked out by then? Who knows? Tottenham are going through managers quite rapidly at the moment. Manchester United have got to still bring a manager in at the end of the season, by all accounts, so after, after Ragnick leaves and, and goes upstairs. There's lots of question marks. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be worried. I, I, I would love to be a team like West Ham right now, who could, have got David Moyes at the helm, are performing above expectation, have a lovely stadium to play in, have a, a great location in London to, to attract players to. They're in interested. They're like they're in a really interesting position right now. To me, a team like Leicester inevitably fall away, based upon factors that aren't even football related. Really, like Brendan Rodgers is quite sought after, but Leicester as a location isn't isn't that particularly affable Oof. to young footballers. Like it's it, it, like but we're comparing it to to Manchester and and. And mainly London, right? That London is, is the big place that people want to live in and, and, and base themselves at. Depends what sort of character you are, but again, it's going to be one of those places. It's an issue that Newcastle will come up against. It's an issue that Liverpool have had before. Players like, like William is the example, just like wanted to live in London. Like players' families would rather live in London, the glitz and glamour of London, etc. So it, they're all they're all obstacles that are going to come up. I think, let's say, I think Leicester are inevitably going to drop out. For me, it's teams like Tottenham that can't afford to. They've got this brand new stadium. It looks beautiful, but you've got to you've got to be filling it with success at some stage. Again, there's going to be all these projects that are going to have question marks over them, and it's really going to be down to Newcastle to put the cat amongst the pigeons. Right? We talk about Newcastle. We we, we mentioned them before. Everton have got a lot of money as well. They've got big plans. They're going to have a new stadium. They've, they want to be part of this conversation. And you're right. There aren't going to be more Europeans. Yeah, you can't have every. You can't have West Ham, Everton, and Newcastle charging at the European spots without somebody really losing out. Because they're, they're, my opinion is that there can really only be like at most probably six or seven major clubs in a league and england's already pushing it because if you look at a league like spain you've got three right you have three yeah. you have other clubs that would consider themselves major but you have three that go into a year conceivably able to win the title right you've got real madrid yeah. atletico madrid barcelona in germany you have maybe three in reality you have one but you have Dortmund and Leipzig that are also really competitive even if they're just feeder teams for Bayern in the first place in France you just have PSG right Leo won the league they're already like eighth 
in the league now so they're not yeah. <laughs> like PSG is by itself and in Italy there's more parity than there has been because Juventus did everybody a favor by just rotting from the inside and falling <laughs> down the table and so the top just opened up and Inter just waltzed right up to the top but they did a really good job of winning the league and then losing their arguably their best player and their manager at the same time after winning the league which I can't imagine I can't I, I'm not the historian that you are but I cannot remember another time where a team has won a major European league and then lost their coach and best player at the same time. Like, that's yeah. just absurd well, then, that then that continue, happened. And then continue to have the success that Inter have. Lukaku's making noise that he wants to go back to. Oh, it's hilarious. hilarious. All of that is yeah. hilarious. I'll pivot back to that in a second once I finish this kind of point. You look at every other league in Europe, there aren't, like, a big six. But in England, you already have six teams. You've got you know, Leicester's poking its head in there, right? And then now you have Newcastle with a bunch of money. You've got West Ham's all of a sudden getting European places, and Everton is spending like a big team, even if they're not actually a big team yet, <laughs> yeah. right? They're working on getting there if they eventually start spending that money right. That is nine. That's almost half the league of teams yeah, that would be well, like, oh, we're going to get in the Champions they, League this year. What I didn't mention was that the Premier League will just become the Super Premier League. <laughs> yeah, and it'll be fine. That's... You know, it'll be, no, lo it'll be locked out. Like that, that is, that's probably just as likely to happen, by the way, as a European Super League is. That there'll be new deals put in place that then... Like, the, the Premier League can basically go, well, give us more European places or we'll go away. Like, I don't know. I don't know what will be, like, negotiated in the future. But you're right, it's, it's not necessarily sustainable to have this many top clubs because and there can't... are a finite amount of good players as well like exactly. that, that's part of it too well, you want to talk about English players being pulled in so many different directions I mean every half decent English player is going to get an opportunity to be the homegrown superstar of a major club at this point that the, there isn't enough European money to go around to sustain nine major clubs in England um, there just there just isn't and so all of these teams going for it when the dust I don't know if the dust is ever going to settle I think it's just going to be a merry-go-round of chaos for a decade and I think that's what we're kind of putting our helmets on for at the moment yeah it's gonna it's gonna be good fun though like I, as much as I'm so we started this as sort of deriding Manchester City's lack of entertainment but the next sort of five years of the Premier League is set oh to don't be get me wrong City will still exciting. be at the top of this pile and the whole the <laughs> You would, you everything else so, would just though. be churning so. yeah but they've got yeah. the consistency united the consistency has phil foden at 20 like he's in his early 20s exactly sort of the, the catalyst for everything just no, it's, gonna, it's gonna be great they bring manchester city is playing there are certain teams that i look at leicester i have always thought about this way too they're actually playing football manager Right, like Leicester's playing oh, yeah, football manager, so. Man City's playing football manager just with a bigger budget. They are constantly bringing through young players that when they start playing, you go, oh, sh like that guy's good too. <laughs> you know, like Zinchenko, like I'd never even heard of this guy. And now all of a sudden he plays 85 different positions and is this glue guy yeah. for, for City, right? They bring in somebody like Diaz who you just... Oh, you know, yeah, he was really good in Portuguese league. And two years later, people are trying to say he's the best center back in the world. But they just, they bring through a lot of young players that end up hitting. And Leicester does the same thing, but then they sell them on. But for Manchester City, there's nowhere to sell them on to. They bring through these young players and then they just stay good. And yeah. then once well, a player the best, outlives the their example. usefulness, they're gone. The best example for City is that Ferran Torres has just gone to Barcelona for 55 million euros. Two years ago, people didn't know who Ferran Torres was. Exactly. Like, yeah. And so suddenly he's come to City from, I think, Valencia, I think it was, and it's now just gone back to 
back to Barcelona or back to Spain and, and yeah, it was ridiculous really. I think they bought Ferran Torres for like 20 million, something like that. I'm, I'm guessing a little bit, listeners. Uh, and then, yeah, he's, he's just going back to Spain after City have had him and he's not, like, he's not done amazing things at City. He's been like a good squad player, but City just have this ability to have these young players continue to impress and then sell them on. That that sort of is their new model they're sort of working towards, which, which again is interesting. I, I can't wait to see what happens in the next five years. The only guarantee, listeners, and I will, I will, I'll put my house on this, uh, Norwich will be promoted and relegated three more times. That's Woo! All we, yeah, that's well, wow. All we know. Bold, bold bet there. What are, oh, the, yeah. what are the odds on that bet? 1.2? I, I think it's odds on. It's odds it's on. It's, 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 on. Odds on. Happen. <laughs> it's more likely to happen than not. Oh man, that, that's good times. Uh, there, I don't know what the heck is going on. I just no, know we'll Josh. Talk, we, Josh we, we Sargent. Can, I can give you the um, can, well. I can give you the local Norwich chat at some point this uh, season okay. when they're when they're relegated in like March. We'll talk about Norwich then. There you go. The general yeah, big vibe. Josh Sargent yeah. vibes. I'm sure he's a cult hero. Already. Oh dear, yeah, it's not going brilliantly. Well, it's not like the rest of the team's doing wonderfully either. But he certainly no, hasn't. No, uh, he hasn't adapted to Premier League life super well. No, he hasn't. Well, that, well, well, there's other Americans. We'll be fine. Lukaku. <laughs> this Lukaku thing, this bothers me. This is weird. For somebody that speaks seven languages, I feel like this is a miscommunication on his part. <laughs> this, this, this does bother me. I mean, who sits there after a club just spent, a club that you used to play at, so that this is like a redemption arc for you, after they just spent $100 million to get you back, who sits there months after that and goes well i didn't really want to leave you know i would have rather yeah. stayed at enter uh if they offered me a new contract i certainly wouldn't be here and you just like that's multiple backhands in one sentence and it's like i don't care how he qualifies it after that because he does kind of qualify it oh we're i'm ready physically and i'm going to be a professional anytime 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 a footballer a soccer player says i'm going to be professional about it they're inherently being unprofessional, <laughs> right? Like that is a red flag of all red flags. Yeah, no, it's it's a very bizarre situation in that the the thought process was, oh, Inter need the money, and then after selling Lukaku, it was like, yeah, well, but we are going to re-sign Barella, <laughs> things like this. So they've got Barella on a nice new contract and things like this, and Lukaku was taken away to Chelsea. Chelsea were in desperate need of a player like Lukaku. It did feel like unfinished business. He then got injured. And then he's just, he's sort of just been fit for a month and Tuchel's not starting him every game, which is so weird to me because at the start of the season, we saw Lukaku be the Lukaku that everyone sort of expected to be there. And then it all just seems to have, I don't, I don't really know what's happened. I don't, I don't know what the story is there. He's speaking out about it, whether he's trying to force Tuchel to play him and value him more. This probably isn't the way to do that. Ugh. But he comes he comes from, from, from Inter having scored 34 and 30 goals in consecutive seasons in all competitions across the, across the uh, Serie A and, and European like competitions. And now he's at Chelsea. He's getting a goal every other game. He's just sort of floating around the Chelsea training ground. Again, he's not really starting. I don't know where he gets. Does he go back to Inter on loan in the, in the January? How do you Surely do that? If you're at Chelsea, how like, do you do that? Right, You just spend money 100... so much as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah, no, in the, you spent $100 million on one of the world's best center forwards. So there's two sides to this story. There's one where I think Lukaku's just definitely not handling this right. right? But, but then two, what is Tuchel doing? And this is coming from an American. I will stand on any mountain and deal for Pulisic. He can't play center forward. I don't care if it's a false nine, mm. you know, Trek Wartiste, whatever. He can't do it. Right? They, they play with a healthy Romelu Lukaku. 
Christian Pulisic played false nine center forward for like three straight games <laughs> with a healthy Lukaku behind him. What, yeah. Like, what is Tuchel doing? That is not... I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And ultimately, right, they're not going to win the league now. And that was the, the talk a few weeks ago was Chelsea contenders. Chelsea going to win the league. Well, with City's emergence and Chelsea just sort of falling apart through not... If they're not playing Lukaku or not having a system that suits the players, like he's complaining about injuries. You're also not playing Lukaku, who's claiming he's back to fitness. For a man that is, is cumulatively the most expensive player ever, it's... Yeah, it's really, it's just really weird decision making for a man that, as you say, cost a hundred million, and now he's just what a bench, just, like a substitute for Chelsea. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't understand the logic. Whether he's truly not fit, or Tuchel doesn't rate him, or he's not training properly. We, again, we don't know what the behind the scenes, like question marks are. But you've spent this amount of money on a player, you're, you're not going to get that money back if he's not playing. You wanted, so, yeah, you talked oh. about sure things when we were talking about Newcastle. I mean, Lukaku, he's never going to be the best center forward in the world. But that guy is going to score goals. He's going. He does it for Belgium. He did it in Italy yeah. for years. Even when he was at United and he was a, in a love-hate relationship with everybody, he <laughs> scored goals. I mean, the guy is able. He is a physical dynamo, and he plays super hard. And he scores goals. But I, I feel like there's no consistency in the Chelsea team at all. And maybe that's well, just because that's... I'm on I'm on Pulisic watch 24-7 and that guy's played eight different positions and none of them are the position he's supposed to play. Yeah, I, I, and this this seems like a theme of Chelsea last season and this season, even with the Champions League win. And, and Lukaku is sort of the epitome of all of this. I, I don't know what the solution is other than to start playing him and hope that he goes on a run from now until the end of the season and they finish well and finish like close to City because the, like, the reality is now... They're not going to finish above them. Liverpool are in the exact same scenario. I'd be interested to see if Liverpool and Chelsea try and make signings to battle this issue of Manchester City, but I don't think either will in a COVID climate. Chelsea have announced record losses this year as well. So I don't, what, what do you do? Look at, like, how do you solve a problem like Lukaku? Would be the podcast name if we didn't title know, yeah, it. <laughs> you want to talk about spending <laughs> money, Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea has spent like $100 million in every transfer window the last couple of years. Like, it's crazy. I mean, they yeah. they have they've just their Chelsea is just stacking players on its well, team. The, the transfer the transfer ban helped them out because it meant that they could just store money. that money away. Yeah. yeah, and then all of a sudden, spend 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 spend. But they they feel like Chelsea's. I was, we were talking. I've got a friend who's a Chelsea fan. We were talking about the fact they've got so many loan players, and you go through the list of players they've sold who are just youth players. Like Olaranya, I think you say it went for like ten million pounds. Never played again for Chelsea. Just was sold on, and just, just like, they had so many of these things happen that could fund things like Lukaku that people just don't even know about. They're, they're just making sixty million every transfer window with players that you've never heard of or you only know of because of Football Manager. Is that, is that type of thing? Yeah, the, the, so well, it's, they, it's, it's a model. The loan farm. They're running the the classic yeah, loan crazy. farm. They had that one guy, the longest tenured player in their first team squad. I can't remember his name, but he had never played. For the first team squad, he'd been loaned out like seven straight years. It's just a very yeah, bizarre story. I can't remember. They've his got name. like four or five players like that. <laughs> so it could, it could literally be any of them. Um, let's come away. Let's come away from football. Let's let's focus okay. again on the new year. What would you like? To, I'm curious. What do you want to achieve in the upcoming year? In the upcoming year, um, fresh start. Yeah, I'm thinking 100 million subs on YouTube. Okay, uh, would be luck. the would be the goal, and then. <laughs> I, what do I want to achieve in the new year? I'm just glad I passed Jack again, to be perfectly honest with you. Because I, <laughs> it's I did. Right, he doesn't listen to this, but that's great. Yeah, I, I, I did pass Jack. Jack, for for this, did no, work the space. 
did a really good job, made a ton of awesome videos at the start of FM22 and actually passed me in subscribers for like a week. And it was Dude. really bothering me. And so I, 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 <laughs> I passed him again recently. And I was like, okay, yeah, now I, I need I enjoyed to put the him... videos. I enjoyed uh, the videos you recently made. You made the videos I told you to make at the start of the year. And they all came out at once. And I was like, ah, oh, there he goes. Now they're coming out. The Wonder Kid videos, the Save Suggestion videos. Very smart. Yeah. yeah. Very well, I, smart. I wait. The Wonder Kid videos, I was waiting for the database to get really settled in. But now I'm a yeah. month into the game being out. It was time to start start dropping those. That save video was really fun. But the the overarching theme, I think, is just be... I, I want to be a lot better at what I do by the end of FM20. Like, I by the end of FM22. By the end of 2022. And I'm not just... That's not just, like, lip service. I want to make the stream a lot better. I want to make the YouTube videos a lot better. So I still... I always look at the stuff and I'm like, man, it just could be... It could be so much better than it is right now. Yeah. I think I think every YouTuber goes through that sort of constantly and it's about whether they can make those decisions mm -hmm. or not, right? It's tough to do. No, it's good. I think, I think, I think there's things... I look, at, I look at like the way you do things and the way you approach things and I think there are lots of things you do really well and I think you're right there are things that you want to improve because I, obviously I see I sort of see the behind the scenes of Zealand a lot of the time that people don't see and, and they get a little bit of it here how is it is it spicy is there a lot of intrigue uh what the behind the scenes I think if people knew like deep down knew like your level of motivation they would be uh more impressed with you if that's possible are they just not that the general public in a sweeping exactly, statement think, they're not that well, impressed with me well i but i think there is this sort of perception probably probably perpetuated by me and illusion a little bit that you you worked hard at a craft and then applied it to this rather than grew doing this and that is sort of where maybe you don't get the credit for being a youtuber necessarily where you should do and maybe, I don't know if that's just from other creators or if that's from an audience as well who like, again, I think there's a lot of intrigue into your background. I think there's a lot of things people want to, I think there's there's a side to see on the channel people don't see often enough. I think they get it in this podcast, but they don't see it necessarily on YouTube and things like that. And I think it'd be interesting if you brought more of that into your YouTube content. I know you do some of like the new vlog stuff, but more of you and not just the football manager expert that is Zealand would be, would be cool. Well, I appreciate the phrase, the football manager expert that is Zealand. I did quotation marks. You just couldn't see it. <laughs> I knew it. Anyways, uh, you, same question to you. What are you, what are you expecting out of this new year? What are you hoping for? Uh, I think I'd like to lose weight. I'd like to lose all the weight <laughs> if possible, but that's going to be a challenge. Maybe we should do, maybe this should be my check-in every month. We should find out how well I'm doing at that. Um, yeah, I just think that's, as much as like creatively and career-wise, I'd like to get things sorted. I think probably getting my like physical well-being in a better state would be, a good positive but again we could, talk, we could do a whole podcast on that that's that's a battle i've had for a decade at least now i will so whether we figure that out or i was not. gonna say i go will on. say what changed it for me was i never was one that was able to go to the gym 100 push-ups 100 sit-ups before you're allowed to go to sleep in any point throughout the day you can do them five okay, I'd never at a time sleep, though. i'd never i'd never sleep so I mean, <laughs> it wouldn't happen would it I'd never you can do them like one at a time i i, I yeah, used to well, do 10 at a time and then you just gotta like work up to where you can do yeah, them in not a couple a of sittings. We need, we need, what I need to do is cardio and loads of it, and then we can start to do push-ups and sit-ups at the, at the end of every day. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that's that's one area. I think career-wise, I want to sort of have things a little bit more focused. I definitely want to be able to have more of a routine that's a lot healthier for me and probably my family. Because right now, it's just the sort of work as and as and when I have the time to, rather than having set times to do things and having more of a routine to do that is is pretty crucial. 
uh in terms of youtube growth and things like that i feel like i'm in a really weird position with it again this could be a whole podcast frankly i don't know what my expectations are for the year i don't know i don't know what the, i don't i don't really know what the plan is it's quite i don't know I, should i be scared i feel a bit scared should i be scared i, I th- look i've i've told you this multiple times i think being scared is a good thing i think going to sleep not knowing how the video is going to do because you have absolutely no idea if this is going to work or not, but you're trying something mm. new that you think could work, right? Making educated guesses about what people would enjoy watching. And then yeah, I, going to sleep nervous is not a bad thing in this profession. I don't know. I'm up, I'm, up, I'm, up, I'm up until the early hours stressed every day at the moment. So I don't know if I agree with that. I'd quite like to have a settled, calm, happy life <laughs> than the one I'm currently living where I feel anxious all the time. Well, but you do I, have, I, you've I got, know. you have a ton of consistency and a consistent fan base with the I'm playing a save, come watch me, let's oh, play yeah. sort of oh, thing. Mate, it's doing, like Glory Hunter, which is my YouTube performance manager save at the moment, is doing brilliantly. I've got no complaints. It's doing really, really well. Yeah really happy with how it's going like the save itself is good the videos have been really good as well i think um i think getting streaming more consistency and of course the streamer showdown is going to come back uh in january too and that's going to be a monthly process for me it was like a huge thing obviously last year the year before that it's going to be hopefully just as big this time around um yeah we'll, we'll, yeah there's some announcements coming soon hopefully you'll be in in the upcoming showdowns I'm hoping. i can only i can only dream well I'll, I'll send out some invites we'll see if you're on the list okay i appreciate it it's gonna be in the mail <laughs> snail mail we're doing carrier pigeons what are we doing uh, I'll, I'll probably I'll, honestly i'll probably just dm your mom and get us to tell you because that's that's the best way that, to communicate that, with that's you, honestly but. the most efficient way to communicate with me yes <laughs> they, 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 there's, there's no lies here well ben here's to 2022 have a good case of 2022 happy new year listeners thank you for yes. listening throughout the previous year here's to another one we, i've got i think we're going to carry on doing the podcast aren't we so yeah. yeah of course come on <laughs> of course we'll try and do we, we figured out we've done two, we've done uh a podcast two podcasts a month this year so more than you imagined listeners i'm sure yeah we'll try and at least stick to that and try throw a few extras in there as well uh for the next year but thank you for listening as well it's been a real privilege to do this over the last year i've always wanted to have a podcast that consistently and although the consistency of it has been questionable we have at least got to the end of the year we've still pushed doing them. through so, and we're still so doing the you, podcast Zealand. exactly well done to you you know hey you. Woo! i'm trying <laughs> on to the on to the next year uh, and again tweet me your thoughts on everything i just like hearing from the listeners they, they, people still send me pictures of canada snow so it's good i've never seen snow oh well you won't see any in the bahamas have fun zealand see you next year listeners